What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast, an elite, elite comeback edition. The Dogs were not only down once, but twice on Saturday afternoon, and the latter of which they got the job done. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, this was a roller coaster of a game, and it's been a roller coaster of a season in some aspects, but knowing how you know, how Murray plays in that building and they can kind of put teams away and they were trying to put us away at the start of the game. We worked our way back and then they, it seemed like permanently put us away at the first part of the second half. And then we went on a run and a comeback that we as a program have not done since early 2019 at home against Northern Iowa. Luke Morton had that and, uh, even Shiz Lloyd, great alumni that we love a lot, uh, quoted it and said, yeah, I was a part of two of those, and the Northern Iowa one was my favorite. And, no, it's safe to say that this comeback will go down in history. What's going on? Yeah, crazy. Crazy to see it unfold the way it did and just to be there to see it in person and just that first half of – it shows another – roller coaster of just a game for this team and and just yet to put a full 40 minutes together and they got to get better at that but yeah i mean this is going to go down to one of the most craziest things we've seen in person just for saluki basketball and um it was a great atmosphere to be part of being in there yeah we got there probably around the second media timeout i worked that day rushed Rushed through work to leave. We probably left around 11.45 to try to get there. Uh, and we did get there. It was a crappy day outside with rain. But we got in there, and things were going easy for the most part, um, safe to say, uh, throughout that game. But we'll dive into that in a second. One of the – say from the get-go, we said on a tweet yesterday that we will also be t- discussing our – and giving our mid-season Valley picks. If So if the season ended today, what our picks would be, and then we'll do this again after these next 10 games and before Arch Madness and the awards officially come out. So we'll dive into that, as well as our first and only uh, matchup against Missouri State Bears. So as I mentioned, we we got there to the CFSB Center, and it, it – CFSB center. And it actually, it wasn't too bad. You know, it was, we were hanging around, it was kind of close to that point. And, you know, we've been talking about Rob Perry a lot and everything that he, uh, he hasn't been himself this season. And it was only a matter of time. And it's only because we'll talk about somebody here from Missouri state coming up. That's if people are in a funk, they'll just have to play us and then they'll immediately snap out of it. And that's what Rob Perry did. He was hitting threes you know, like his typical self. And there's really nothing you could do about it. Clearly there were times you could, you know, he was hitting contested ones, but then there'd be some where defensive breakdowns and he would end up wide open. And, um, you know, he's a heat check kind of guy and he was hitting those at the start and then it started to pull away. And that led to Rob Perry probably easily having his best first half of the season. And, you know, probably uh, at least in a while, he had 14 points, five of six, four or five from three, had two steals on top of it. And, I mean, throughout the start of the game, as well as, you know, through the the first parts of the first half or the second half, excuse me, was how great of a paint penetration team they are. You know, we've – how many times has it been posted about and said how great of a three-point defense defensive team we are, and we are. And there's sometimes where we're clearly not. But we're not a very good paint defensive team. And if we were really good at both, we'd be top in the country – overall defense and I'm not sure we are it's because our paint defense lacks a lot and Brian Moore and Jacoby Wood were penetrating at will in this game Nick Ellington was getting shots to fall throughout most of the game as well and you know they were just getting tons of things I mean Brian Moore at seven in the first half and uh you know we shot I mean, we shot over 50 percent in the first half as well it's just no other turnovers and that'll be a biggest thing of this game and We'll get into, you know, through the stretches of the second half when we didn't turn it over, and that's how we manned the comeback. But, you know, turnovers was the reason why we were down even eight in the first half, and we were actually lucky to be down eight because A.J. Ferguson had an amazing first half. What else stuck out to you in the first half of why things look so ugly and, you know, why even at times we were 
um, you know, not hopeful there in the first half. And then that obviously started with, with the uh, devastating start to the second. What's What else took out to you in the first half? Yeah, I think that first half definitely, definitely showed you, I mean, who the better team and the better team is because being only down eight points and you turn it over as many times as you did and you're able to keep them at bay that while they're shooting, like you just said, they shot 58%. They shot 56% from three. I mean, they only got to the line four times. We got in a little bit, a little bit of foul trouble, but outside of the turnovers, I mean, it was just crazy. The, I mean, the refs were kind of iffy there. I mean, they were calling a lot of, I mean, I think we saw more moving screens and travels in that game uh, than we have all year in, in any game. So it's just kind of crazy to see in that first half. But definitely we, we let Rob Perry get going. I mean, he was getting open looks. So yeah, I think he hit one tough look um, that you just can't do anything about. But the other ones, we were just either getting lost or just not, not playing good enough defense in that first half. But having 12 turnovers doesn't help. Then – I mean, this first half, I mean, X did end up having six, but he's still off to slow starts again. But, I mean, if it wasn't for AJ, um, then Clarence had four, Trent had four, Jared had two off the bench, Troy had two. I mean, if it wasn't for AJ, we'd have been down a lot more, and maybe that comeback doesn't happen. But we got to find ways to um, limit the turnovers because I felt like, we got good, good shots. Like you said, we shot 52% or 53, whatever it was in that first half. We're getting good looks. If we just stay connected and stay in a flow, I think, I mean, we can, I think Brian said at the end of the, in the video in the locker room after the game, like if you stay connected anytime, anywhere, you can beat anybody. And it just shows that if we're not turning the ball over crazy because I mean, that's the first time we've really seen it. We've seen turnovers this year with this team, but it's always at key moments. This was just like they were coming at an all-time high, and they definitely did. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was turnovers that, you know, I just picture, you know, Kennard having a couple, but Kennard, you know, was looking for a guy to, you know, stay out on the wing, and he decided to go back door, and Kennard literally jumped with the ball and throwing it out of bounds, as you said. I mean, they were possessions in this game where we couldn't even get a sh- – we didn't even get a shot up because we'd be in the half court – and immediately give it right back to him. So, you know, throughout all of that, I mean, AJ hitting, uh, which we hit two in this game, but the first was, you know, the first of a four-point play. And then he he missed two, you know, key free throws at the, at the end of the first half, honestly, as well, which are uncharacteristic of him. But the turnovers themselves were definitely uncharacteristic. I agree. We're not really a team to turn it over like this much. I mean, this is uncharacteristic for any team to have 12 first half turnovers. You have to either be a bottom feeder or clearly it's, you know, the kind of case that it was with us, you know, it's just a bad first half and it is crazy. You can only be down eight. Like we said, it should have been six if AJ hits his free throws, but um, you know, at least he came to play in that sense. You mentioned Clarence and there's some people that were, you know, some of the player, I mean, Yovan finally played in this first half. Maybe it was sparse three minutes uh, Jared had a dunk uh, before the half as well. Uh, and But Clarence, as he, he did have the four, and, you know, I don't think he had any he, – he had one rebound, but he had three fouls. And keep an eye out for that because that was the most pivotal part of this game when he when he had that. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, it was – it could have been a lot worse, but we treaded water for the most part. And, um, you know, that began with the, the start of the second half whenever – you know, it just got away from us. And it was, you know, allowing them to, you know, you had Apple White coming in, hitting shots. You had, again, the paint, pen, you know, the penetration points they were getting, you couldn't stop. You know, on top of the turnovers, you couldn't hit the shots as you expected to, as you said there. And, you know, we only had, you know, five points there for the first like six minutes of the game due to everything else, but they just exploded. It was more of Rob, it was more of everybody else. I mean, their box score, they had a couple of guys. I mean, they had three guys at 14 at the end of the day. Brian Moore did not shoot well by the end of it. Um, but, again, Clarence's, Clarence's foul trouble made one, the one and only Scotty Abube come in. And, I mean, no, before we obviously dive into – all, you know, the runs that we went on, you know, 
25 to 3 one we run we went on it started with a uh let's see it was a 12-0 run over six minutes when we were down that 20 it was around the 14 minute mark and no, they were playing so bad that a tweet that I made was so warranted of the moment. And I know it's it's recency bias in the moment, and I hate to always like have you know say definites when anything is completely finished. But the way they were playing, you know, it's rightful saying how you know how much they weren't adjusting again, and said warm up the buses. And by the end of it, it's like, well, they're going to warm up the buses anyway. And a lot of people made it let it be known to our account after the fact, and it's easy to do that, you know, even though I think everybody else would have been thinking the same exact thing or were thinking the same exact thing. And, uh, you know, always going to own up to, you know, a take that ends up looking wrong, even though, like I said, I not really a fan of always with the definites before stuff are finalized, but that's the way they were playing. And you no, know, before they snapped out of this, let's talk about, you know, what Scotty did. I mean, he's, he's, well, I said on the final tweet, he's the easiest dog of the game I think we've ever seen in, in, in times of doing this because, no, he was doing things that totally led this comeback. You know, it was guys finally getting, you know, it was, you know, Troy had his bad moments again, but he had great moments. You know, he was, there'd be a, you know, be a tip pass and he would like fall on it to then it would go off the Murray defender. This is when we're on offense. So we get the ball back and it was him scoring, you know, on the block and banking it off the backboard and those, those big plays like that. But, no, I mean Scotty. He only scored once, but he was again. He was doing things that made the most one of the most impactful performances we've seen. And you know, it, it's just the typical things he's able to do, and he's sometimes not able to show it. And no, if that right there doesn't cement the idea, and we've said this, I think four times this season alone. If that doesn't show them, then I don't know what will. I mean, that's kind of again what this whole season's been about for him but no i think this was the peak of that what did scotty do in this game to totally flip the script and give us the confidence cuz he did stuff that led to stops on the defensive end yeah i mean he just came in i mean he did get in, he did he does play aggressive i mean him and clarence both play way too over aggressive post d and they get fouls here and there but this is a guy that I'm I'm assuming this is his season high in minutes with 18. He rebounded his butt off. He, I mean, he ended up with three steals and two blocks, and there was other possessions that he kept alive by um, just being active and bringing the energy. I mean, this is a guy that's a game changer and um, is why you got back in this game. Him and Trent Brown are definitely the two. I know they, they talked to Trent on the radio, um, but, I mean, Usually we see Scotty's impact. He's we saw it differently. Usually he's running the floor and uh, getting just getting easy dunks because he runs the floor when guys are tired. But like this is a guy that he saw it dif- differently. He saw it on the defensive side, and man, there was times we we could have gotten the basketball. I mean, it it when you see his numbers, I hate when guards do not give a big man the basketball. I know there's a couple of the Trent found him on one. Um, he got fouled on it. He missed the dunk. He probably, maybe if he would have just went strong, got a layup, could have been an and one. He both missed both those free throws. Then there was another one. He missed under the rim where he was just got caught. The pass led him a little bit too far under the basket, and he tried to lean back and score and just left a little short. Then there was another one he turned over. Or he could have kicked it out. I think it was Kennard standing wide open on the wing. He decided to try to – um, then he turned it over, but the, the energy he brought, I mean, you saw it, the way the team reacted after the game, jumping on him and just knowing the impact he made in this game, along with Trent, that if those two guys, I mean, Trent's 38 minutes is always going to happen, but I'm not saying it's 18 minutes a night for him because we got to mix Jared in there a little bit too, and see what Clarence can do. Cause I mean, 10 minutes is going to be a, a season low for Clarence Rupert. Once you look at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, Clarence is the most is the most over aggressive player. I mean, Scotty can too, but his is more. I guess both of those are energy based, but Scotty's a well more disciplined defender, especially in the post and everything. And he wasn't really getting, you know, those were kind of ticky tacky fouls. They were really at the start of the game and in both ways for sure. And um, I mean, the fact that you know, there were both teams were trying to pass it like above their defender at the top of the key to, you know where there's some points of like, there wasn't a zone, but there were like spaces there. So we try to go to like the free throw line and we try to pass it and they'd, it would tip and then be a turnover. Scotty did that on the defensive end. 
but he would grab it immediately, tip it, and then we'd start our offense. Or he a steal. He had an off, you know, uh, off ball block on a Brian or a Quincy Anderson take. And it, again, it's those kinds of plays that you know don't take too much time off the clock. You know, you know, because they're trying to do too much in their half court. It takes maybe ten to fifteen seconds off or anything else, but just the plays that were being made. I mean, to end up having uh, two two blocks and three steals as a center. I mean, we have them on our fantasy team, and I guess you have to score points in that league to matter the full, you know, points of everything. But the fact that he did almost everything else shows, uh, you know, that it, we – I mean, it would be hard to beat if you had a guy doing those kind of things. And even on the offensive end, you mentioned some of the, the bad parts that he had, which – yeah, he probably should have. He wanted to. He he looked at Trent on the wing there to kick it out, but he was confident. And you know when Scotty would would not, you know when he would pass it out, you would know that he's not comfortable and confident because every time he'd go up, because again he shoots sixty five percent from the field, it's going to go in. So we trust whenever he finds himself a good look and he's confident in a play. Uh, but yeah, he did, and then he and then he tried to pass it again and didn't happen. It was a turnover there, which again, he can't be perfect, but he did so much on, on the great end that, you know, it, it, it's almost like who cares what he did on the bad. And even though it, it got so dicey near the end, when we, when we, when we tied it, that of course, you know, a couple minutes left. So everything was critical at that point. But, uh, and then the one where, you know, he tried to dunk on a guy, which he like double clutched it and then he missed his free throws. But the more the plays you remember most are the ones where he tips out on offense, and this is what got us, I think, within three or might have tied the game. Whenever X had a wide open rainbow three at the top of the key, those are the kind of plays that Scotty did. And again, it's it, the most impactful performance we've seen from him. I mean, he could put up fourteen points and it matters in the game, but the things he did in this game were ultimately special. Um, so he was easily the dog of the game. I mean, X finally took charge. He again, he's. He has yet to be below 16 points in a game. He got his 16 in this one. He was, he ended up being a plus two on the game. AJ, he only, he didn't score, he, uh, he didn't score in the second half again. And he ended up with a minus 11 and uh, Kennard played for him. And AJ only had one foul and Kennard was playing for him down the stretch. Kennard was a plus nine. So it was great to see him find his way to being in those meaningful minutes down the stretch. Uh, and then Trent, of course, you know, he he was let's see here he was three of five from inside the three-point line and I had a stack because I had to look back as we always I think think this and I think I didn't go back and you know fully fact check it but it was it was you know just a couple days ago yesterday I looked he's only shot 77 times inside the inside the three-point line in his five seasons and I want to say a little bit over a third of that has been this season alone and it just shows you I mean when he does do it, he he gets an open lane and he finds the layup. You know, there was one play where he tried to do it and it, it led to a turnover. And he, again, another guy, you know, overall, it's not going to be perfect in that moment. But the fact that he's able to do those kind of things, you know, matters. And he shot great in this one. He had a he had a four point play that was drawn up by Brian that he got to get us back in the game as well. A massive play. Uh, so, no, I think Scotty and Trent for sure were the biggest impacts. But then it led to X getting that final moment again, though, when we were – when we got the final look because we got lucky and Brian Moore missed an easy layup on the other end. This was around the times of Scotty's turnovers and, you know, having to rely on that one stop. They were missing bunnies throughout most of the second half. But, again, they weren't really getting anything to fall otherwise. In this massive run, it was a Brian Moore dunk that were only field goal. I think Sam Murray had a, a, a free throw that were into those three points. You know, it led in that final possession that, you know, X has been wanting, you know, all season. He's This is the fourth chance he's, he's been able to have for this. And, of course, he gets his patented drive, but he's able to lay it up and in with a little under three seconds left. And they throw it out of bounds or, you know, they throw it and hit, hits nobody. So we get the ball underneath their own basket. And they foul Kennard off the ball. And us in the moment were saying – how can you intentionally foul like that? And I think Adam Emenecker said that if he's, if he's moving in the play, I forgot what he said. I wanted to go back and, you know, whatever the rule book would say that, you know, if he's moving and he's in the play itself, that you can do that, I guess, you know, whatever the opposite would be that you wouldn't be able to do that. So they did foul Kennard. He got the one-on-one and he barely missed it. And then led to Rob Perry getting a half court heave and 
my dad told me on the TV and we went back and, and watched it after the fact. It, it looked close from the angle, but it was far off left and all that was it. And I mean, again, X getting that final look to fall finally after the fourth time feels great for him. And it, it was, it was the X Trent and Scott again, even though Troy had the highest plus minus on the team, he was great as well. Your overall thoughts on how the game finished X's patented move. And Again, just your ultimate final thoughts on it, because, again, the fact that we were able to hold them to barely anything throughout that 14-minute run was crazy because talk about the turnovers, too. We didn't turn over clearly that much in those final minutes, and you had a percentage of that that you told me yesterday in a cool stat. Yeah, definitely. I mean, hopefully they can take this momentum off this big comeback and roll with it and, like Brian said, stay connected and – go along with it and keep some minimum. But yeah, this, the getting the, I think Bucky Dent said, asked Brian a question on the interviews on Monday about getting, if he's ever been a part of getting 12 stops in a row. And Brian said, not in an environment in a game like that. So getting stops in a row like that, but yeah, the turnovers were just too much. I mean, in the first 26 minutes of the game, they, SAU turned it over 41% of their possessions. So that you, that's why you're down eight at half and it got down uh, too big at 20 points and just coming back and staying with it and the credit to the staff for keeping these guys connected and running different sets and letting Scotty and play. I mean, Kennard Davis was in that closing lineup too. He didn't end up scoring in this game, but his, he, he rebounded, he dove on some balls, had two steals in this game. Um, he was he was pretty good in this game as well. But, yeah, just the crazy run is just was incredible to see. I, I mean, like you said earlier, I mean, being down 20 points, I mean, for me, with this kind of offense, getting down 10, I don't feel very confident because there's just times we can't score the basketball and we get good looks, but we just can't knock down shots. But, Trent Brown, they ran a really, really nice set for Trent to get an and one three. They posted up Kennard like they would Marcus back in the day and ran Trent off Scotty and Troy's three, and he catch shoot from the wing. He had already hit two from, and they fouled him, and he hit it. Um, so just big-time plays at certain moments and good adjustments by the staff. I thought defensively um, they were a lot better in that stretch in that second half after – um, they got up 20, they made a couple of adjustments, I thought, and just really, I mean, like Brian's saying, if they stay connected, this team can go beat anybody. I mean, going on the road, if you got 20 down in an environment like the CSB Center in Murray, I mean, a lot of teams, that's why that you posted the, uh, the picture of the graph of 99.1% chance to win at that time, just crazy and we'll probably never see anything like it again no one and it feels nice to have it seems like the revenge that bradley had on us and us being our own great uh home team it's like it's it's an absurdity and it should never happen it's a disgrace and i'm sure that's how murray feels because of how great they are at home and because it was there makes it extra special because it's hard to win their teams do it you know last year we broke that 20 home game winning streak that they had based off their great season the year prior, but they've been losing, you know, a, a decent amount since then. Clearly they're not the same team. They're still a good team. And there's some of those things factoring in that, you know, how the heck, yeah, you turn it over 18 times on the road, 18 times and you come back down 20 points. That just shows you. And again, they just weren't getting any shots to fall. They had the looks Murray did. And we, and they just weren't falling. We got lucky at times. It's not that we were, and we were great defensively, no doubt about it. But, you know, always into a blown lead or in a comeback, it's clearly a lot on both teams. And for sure we made adjustments. And I think the biggest adjustment is what you said there, which is the only one that's necessarily needed. Besides, like, the plays drawn up to Trent to get the four-point play and that what great – that yes, that great one that you said that they – that you told me that they would have ran to Marcus otherwise, they – Kennard went, you know, he's on the far side next to our bench, went to the other side. Sam Murray was guarding him, and he was backing him into the paint and then found that Trent for that screen and for the M one. So, again, it's and we always point out when a good play is executed or drawn up, but it's just not, like, consistent, I would say. But, um, you know, not only 
you know, because again, you said the 41%. Yeah, we did. We only had, I think, three in the final 16 minutes of the whole game ish and all that. So there were adjustments made for sure. Uh, but it's always on both teams. And we ended up out rebounding them by, by 14. They only had, I think, one offensive rebound, it said. And then uh, we held Rob Perry totally scoreless in the second half after he had those 14 and four three-pointers in the first half. So definitely adjustments to be made. And, again, we I ate crow on that tweet talking about the comeback, but the, the, the buses were warmed regardless. And it's definitely a win we'll remember. And it was warranted because even throughout the stretches of this game, we're still playing our worst of the season. Our three losses, the way that they happened – you know, you don't look great against Valpo until you finally snap out of it. And in this game, you had to have a comeback for the ages. So we still don't think this team is playing that great right now. And knowing that February is just, you know, in the coming days that if you flip the script and start playing that always talked about great basketball, then that, you know, that is what it is. And it starts with tomorrow. But we still don't think the team's playing their best. And I think that's easy to say. So comeback for the ages for sure. We'll look back on this game. And no, if it matters towards, you know, the season, and we said in, in the game, this was a matchup for fifth place at the moment. So uh, we were able to get the job done in a crazy fashion, and we're looking ahead. So it was a fantastic two-point win coming back from that massive, massive deficit. Uh, X was at 618 Tap House on Sunday signing autographs between a certain time. I wasn't uh, known until I think later in that afternoon that it, that it even happened, so – He's a popular guy going there in Marion to sign some stuff. And then they came out with the Bob Bob Cousy top 10 finalists. And, and of course, being a mid-major, X isn't going to be on something like that more than likely. But it's unfortunate that he wouldn't get on that, knowing about what, everything he's done this year and everything I said in that tweet. So those are just the recent things with him. And we'll talk about the recent games that happened on Saturday. Some great ones. One in particular gives you that Sunday – that Sunday Arch Madness kind of feeling a big time game. We caught the end of it. We we kept up with most of these. What else happened? And then we'll get we'll get into standings, probabilities, and net and Kempom as well. Yeah, a lot of action um, Saturday while we we're at the game, following along. Uh, Illinois State went on the road. Uh, they were look. They started to play better basketball. Uh, went on the road to Evansville. They were Evansville still without Ben Hummerkhouse. Um, but they get the win at home in the Ford Center, 58-54 of the Redbirds. Uh, Toomey, 17-6, and six, lead the way. Tanner Cuff at 10-6-3 and six and three off the bench and for the Redbirds. Um, led the way by Burford with 18. Kinziger, a freshman, 10 points off the bench. He's starting to play a lot better. Um, UIC went on the road to Belmont. That was a tight game for a while. Um, but Keyshawn Davidson, 17 points, helped lead the way. For the Bruins, also had five assists. Um, then Jace Willingham had scored 14 for them as well. Um, Tyson struggled four or 14 shooting, including two of eight from three. So struggled in that game, but that other guy stepped up. Christian Jones had 16 and eight. Eight assists for the Flames in that one, but not enough. Missouri State goes on the road and gets a win over Valpo, 81-70. Also, Mason led the way, 22 points. Diavaro had 20. Diavaro. Roger Powell has been talking the last couple of weeks about him just yelling at him if he doesn't shoot. Um, then Northern Iowa goes on the road without Bowen Bourne and gives Drake a pretty good test. It ends up a 14-point loss, but Drake wins 77-63. Campbell had 18 for the Panthers. Landon Wolf 11 off the bench. Um, then 29 for Tucker, 14 for Enright, 11-8-4 for Brody. Um Big second half, 41, outscored the Panthers 41-25 in that second half. Then the one that felt like a Saturday, more like a Sunday game, an overtime thriller in Terre Haute, a sold-out crowd on Goggles Goggles Day for the Sycamores and the Braves. 95-86 win for the Sycamores, outscoring Bradley 17-8 in the overtime period for the for the Braves, 31 points from Duke Dean. Um, Malavai had 18 and six. Then uh, Hickman had 13 in that one. Just no two two bench points in that one for the Braves from Christian Davis. Then for the Sycamores, 
22 and 3 from Conwell, 17 points, 16 rebounds from Jason Kent. Uh, Robbie had 18 and 7, Swope 19 points, Larry had 14. All those guys played above 39 minutes. Larry played 39, Swope 43, Kent 45. Played all the minutes, and Conwell and Robbie both played 44. So a lot of minutes logging for those guys. Then to look ahead to the nice matchup, Illinois State travels down to Murray. It's a seven-point favorite for the racers in that one. I expect Murray to bounce back. Obviously, seeing a lot of their fans not happy, obviously, blowing a 20-point lead at home. Makes a lot of fans look very, very poor on different things, on social media and stuff. Um, then tomorrow night, Indiana State is on the road at Belmont. That's a place where only one team has been able to go in and win this season. So if they go on the road, they're favored by nine. If they go on the road and cover that, I mean, like I said, I've been saying it for a while now. Just go ahead and give them the regular season title. You and I is on the road at Carver and, and Bradley on the CBS Sports Network. Valpo at Drake. UIC at Evansville, that'll be an interesting one. Um, Evansville, see if they protect home floor. Then updated standings. Indiana State at the top all alone, 9-1. and one. Drake is 8-2. and two. Bradley, 7-3. and three. UNI is 6-4 and four with us at 6-4. and four. Then below us, 5-5, five and five, Belmont and Murray State. 4-6, and six, Missouri State, Illinois State. 3-7, and seven, Evansville. 2-8, and eight, Valpo. Then 1-9, and nine, UIC then looking at looking look looking at Matt Hackman and his updated probabilities he does twice a week is always fun and looks starting to look a little bit better than where he was off our losing skid for our Salukis. We have our best percentage is for that four or for the five right now at thirty three percent where four seed is a thirty two percent. Um, it's down to eight percent for a three, then one percent for the two, and I think the six is at fifteen percent. So, um, eighty eighty one percent for Indiana State to win the league, fifty three percent for Drake to be the two, fifty percent for Bradley to be the three, then thirty seven for you and I to be the four. If that were to end way, if things were to end that way right now, SAU would be playing on Thursday against a Valpo team that can give us fits. At times, we saw it at home where they where they can lead us at halftime by five points, and we got to put things together because they're a young team starting to figure a lot of stuff out and playing decent ball even though the wins aren't coming their way. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, the uh, probabilities it would be because even the league has us ahead of Northern Iowa, not taking head-to-head to, head to head into account. It's mainly just – you know, overall record, but we've said continuously and that's, you know, we always will do placement in a, you know, in the tournament, what we always prefer, but we, as fans and fans of that weekend, we would always prefer to not play on Thursday, have that full day. So, you know, you said that game where Bowen didn't play and they still almost beat Drake on the road, excuse me. So RJ Taylor played good in that game. So it's like, even when they don't have Bowen, they can still find ways to win, as we know. I mean, we played them not too long ago, and it's like knowing that they had a rough stretch and, uh, you know, pushing for that fourth spot. And that's why it's big to take the first matchup against the Murray and know that, you know, Belmont's got a tough one this next game too, hosting Indiana State, as you said, and all those. So, um, you know, of course, halfway through, it's important to <laughs> keep dissecting where you'd want to be. But we've, again, we've agreed that we want to, clearly you know find a way out of thursday and yeah those teams at 12 it'd be uic or valpo whatever be projected and yeah valpo is projected to still finish 12 and we don't play well against valpo or uic so want to avoid all that at all costs because even five is not even the position we'd want to be in either if we're missing if we're playing on thursday we want to play as a six seed so all that the continued update of it uh, and then Kim Palm and Nets, we actually went down one in net. That's because we were probably down so much, came back, and that was through the week. Uh, we we uh, had an ugly game against Valpo, so over the week stretch, we wouldn't show too much, and then we gained a little bit in Kim Palm as well. So not a whole lot of ground made up in any of that, even going 2-0, and looking sloppy in the process. So 
no, let's get to our 10 games in uh, mid-season picks for this. We always enjoy it. And, you know, like we said, if if the if the season ended today, this is what we think picks would be. And they're not going to be perfect. And we even touched up some more things than where we talk to each other. And we'll do this again at the end when we fully finally predict what they're actually going to be. But this is always a fun little thing. We'll try to go through it a little quicker than what we would have imagined. There's even one section in here we always add that is our own, but we'll try to keep it the standard similar to what the league always does. Um, no, let's let's end with the, the top three teams, and we'll end with first team and who our player of the year is. Uh, let's start with uh, an interesting one. You know, I think it, it's, it's safe to say Josh Schertz is going to be unanimous coach of the year. I mean, there are some other names I put on here for that. If we finish out of Thursday, Brian could be behind him in a standing. If Roger Powell doesn't finish 12, finishes, let's say, 10th, I think Roger could have a, a say in all that. And there's clearly teams above him that would be more likely. But, you know, I feel like a year that DeVries and Wardle wouldn't win it or wouldn't be that's, you know, supposedly top three because they were picked that high to begin with, that it's one of those things, again, where – if you if you do what you're supposed to, I think it's you're not going to get rewarded in that way. And Shirts is, I think, picked fifth and doing what he's doing historically. It's a unanimous selection. Now I'm going to start out with an interesting one. Let's do all freshmen uh, because this is an interesting season. We know last year they had they had um, Robbie, who's a superstar. Kay Tyson's a superstar. Jacoby Gillespie's a superstar when he's healthy. There were some awesome freshmen last year, and this one has some interesting ones as well. You said earlier. Uh, and the guy who's leading the way for me, and I was torn on this one. If I was just go guard to forward in that sense, I'll start. Uh, I had Johnny Kinziger on here, and I was I was because of this nice stretch, and I was torn between him and Demarion Birch. And it's crazy that whoever I wouldn't pick would end up end up not being on my team at all. That just shows you how good these other ones were. My team though is Johnny Kinziger, Kevin Overton for Drake's been phenomenal score, Chuck Bailey the third been you know a scoring machine for Evansville and what they needed in this season Amar Atlison who Altlison for Bradley who worked his way to the starting lineup and has played well whether the stats have always been there we know he's a good shooter he just does a lot of solid things as a freshman and then Cooper Schweiger is clear as day on here and Noah that's who at right now who I have winning freshman of the year he's been phenomenal uh, even though he's on a bad team, and I think the only one that's close to him is Overton, who I would have chosen. Uh, but I went with Cooper just because he's red hot in this season, and he's leading the way for that team along with Isaiah. Who is yours? Because there's even some other ones that maybe even you wouldn't have on here, maybe not. But there's some good honorable mentions. It's it's a pretty decent freshman class. Yeah, the only difference I have on mine um, right now is I left. Um, I think it was tough. I mean, like you said, there's a lot of good freshmen, but I left Johnny just off. I know he's had a couple of good games here recently down the stretch would could vault him, but I went with another Valpo guy. I went with guard Jahari, uh, Jahari Williamson. I just think he's playing. He's their third leading scorer on their team. Um, I just think he's playing a pretty good level just for a freshman guard in this league. Cause we've seen guards. I mean, in our in our time, just under Brian at freshman guard, just can't just you don't just come in and I know he's on a bad team, but averaging nine points a game, I think he's pretty well. I went with him barely over Johnny, but Johnny's playing more and better down the stretch here. He could definitely change my mind. Who's your freshman of the year right now? I said Cooper Schweiger. I just think um obviously Overton's on the better team, but I mean he's putting Valpo on his shoulder, especially with games with Isaiah that has missed the last last couple here, last couple weeks. I think he's putting them on their shoulders. Wins aren't there, but he's definitely – I went with Cooper. Agreed. He, he's been red hot. Love his game. And we mentioned some others that you – know, we know Kennard hasn't scored a whole lot, but he's in this group. Joshua Hughes, Kyle Park, Brigham Rogers, R.J. Taylor, and, of course, Burge. And you're right, Williamson's had an awesome year as well. So it's been a good overall freshman class. We'll revisit this at the end. See how these guys continue to go. Noah all bench. And I guess it's because I have, you know, I've just because he's played so well on a guard heavy team, my all bench team, a couple freshmen on here. And I did have Johnny 
on here. And I guess it's, it is recency bias and how he is. And again, this could have changed and this very well could have by the end. I had Christian Davis for Bradley, who's been really one of the only key guys off that bench doing good things besides Birch that he has the numbers to back it up to. I think he's, you know, he's, he's also in the most improved like conversation. I think he's had a good year. Xavier Bledson is really the only notable Indiana state bench player and love watching him play. He'll hit a three, you know, a big three, and he'll play good post-defense. Shirts mentions how much energy he brings. He's like their vocal leader and stuff. He's just a, he's a big part of what they got. Uh, and I got Scotty on here. I mean, even though the minutes haven't always been there, if there was going to be another SIU player that's not X to do, do anything on these, I think this is an appropriate one for Scotty because he's put up the numbers. Granted, the minutes wouldn't match any of these other guys consistently, but Scotty definitely puts up the numbers. And then – I had Chuck Bailey being sixth man of the year. He, you know, maybe not every game he's been off the bench, and I know all these other guys have consistently came off the bench, but when he does, he puts up numbers. And I think that's – for a freshman to do this, it's, it's pretty notable. Again, he's got the stats to prove it. Who is yours with your sixth man of the year? Yeah, I went with Christian Davis to start with as well. I think he's had a really good season um, so far for Bradley that he provides that scoring off the bench – that they need. Um, then for Murray State, I went with Brian Moore. I mean, he started some games in non-con, but they've really moved him to the bench kind of for uh, Murray State along the way in conference season because they need a lot, of, a lot of help off the bench, obviously. Then another one, I think, um, that could be mentioned. I didn't pick him, but Cesar Edwards, he's a pretty good one. But I went with Bletson as well on my team, Chuck Bailey, then the round off that team, I went with Jahari Williamson because he's only started two games for Valpo this season. So I think a lot of guys are worthy, but um, I went with Bledson, a sixth man of the year. I picked him, um, I think it was two years ago now, or might have been last yeah. year. I might have picked him back-to-back years for sixth man of the year, and he's been snubbed. So I think I think he finally gets it. Maybe being on the top team helps him. That's a great pick because if it wasn't for him, who knows just how much, you know, different they'd be, honestly. That's how big of an impact he is, being the lone guy, like notable guy off that bench. It's a great pick, and I just cannot believe I forgot about Brian Moore, who he literally just played and who has definitely improved himself, forgetting that he is has been a bench player since he's pretty much been there. He will start here or there, no doubt. And, you know, I'm torn, and it seems like all those guys would be sixth man of the year. I feel like since I forgot about Brian, I almost want to pick him as my sixth man of the year. But him, Chuck, and and Xavier have been awesome for them. So it's it's been a good bench year. You know, it's guys like Landon Wolf who've underwhelmed. We'll get to more of that in a second. Uh, good picks there. Thanks for reminding me about Brian. Uh, Noah, all defense, and you know he he's took a step back in it because of. Everything he's been doing for us, I still think X is a phenomenal defensive player, and there could definitely be picked about tons of other different guys. You know, even thinking of Jacoby Gillespie, who could easily take over for an X on this team. He's been so hurt, and he, I think he was still leading the league. And, and steals, he was almost like – he was barely like under three steals a game. So he would have contis- consistently been doing his thing and probably make, making this – I don't know if X will end up getting – you know, on this team because he'll be on many other teams, but I'll have X on here. And I had Julian Larry, who is the defensive player on Indiana State that gives them that extra spark when they're not only scoring at an elite level, but they're also playing good enough defense to make it to where they're just a complete team. I had uh, NJ Benson, who we'll see tomorrow and who we know, and it breaks our hearts seeing what he's doing here coming from at, or out of Mount Vernon. He's just blocking shots galore. He's just a freak. I think he's he's obviously in the most improved conversation as well, but he's blocking shots at an elite level. I got him. Malavite will make this team. He still finds a way to make you know elite defensive plays. I know I'm going with Okani. I don't. That's not. That's no hot take. He's leading the league and blocks. He's on there and steals. You know we've seen his defense in person this year, last year, but he was top five in the nation in blocks at one point. He's, and he continues to do it even on the last place team in the league. I think O'Connor will end up being my defensive player of the year. Who you got? Yeah, I have O'Connor on there as well. I think, I mean, he's, I think fourth in steals and one in number one in blocks in conference play. Um, so he's definitely, 
he's going to be my player of the year as well. I mean, I think he runs away with it in my opinion. Then also I have, uh, I have Darius Hanna on there. He's leading the league in steals per game as a big man as a five. And I think he's seventh in block shots per game. So I went with Darius Hanna uh, as, as a big on that team. Then I also had Malavai because I think Malavai is tied for fifth in steals. And I think he's sixth in block shots. Um, so he's doing both for that team. So I got both bigs there um, for them with Okani. Then at the guard positions, I have Julian Larry. Um, I mean, he, he guards the best guard on the opposing team every night. Then I have uh, kind of a, a sleeper. Nobody would think about him defensively just because the way he was offensively. But I think he's he's tied with Darius um, for steals. I don't know if he ends up on the team, but just why stats-wise through through these games – He's tied with Darius for leading the steals in conference. I went with Kenny Strawbridge. He was in the last spot. He's averaging two steals a game, um, playing some more defense than he was last year. It's a good pick, and you had a lot, you know, of the stats to back that up. But Darius is having a phenomenal year as well. You could pick a lot of people on Bradley because, again, they're always an elite defense, defensive team themselves. No, it's two most improved, which is which is a fun one. There's so many players in the league that have improved this season, and I'll follow that up with most underwhelming, just throwing together a team. Uh, but most improved, X will be unanimous here. He has to be. I think that's a foregone conclusion. Uh, but the guys behind him, though, I mean, I think who would be right behind him in this would be Jason Kent. We've talked all year about him that he's finally done what we've expected him to be. He's making me eat crow. I've been talking about him for a while because you can't have that physique and athleticism and not be like, you know, that much impactful. He really wasn't even last year either in the first year there, but now he's, he's fully came into his own and being one of the top and most valuable players on that team. Uh, he's on here. The aforementioned Darius Hanna, who continues to get better every year. Brian Wardle's asked about him a lot and talks about him a lot and how he's just a fan favorite being a fourth-year guy, and he has improved every single season. He's not the only Bradley player. I had Duke and Connor on here as well because their av- they're scoring averages, they're both averaging around eight last year. We know the players they had on the team last year. but They've both grown to about 14, 15 points a game. They're, they literally man the comeback against us in that game. Duke's three-point shooting, Hickman, you know, Slow start in that game, which continues to blow our mind, but then they just turn it on, and they are so efficient. I feel like Connor Hickman's going to make this every year of his career, but no, I have three Bradley players on here. But again, it seems like X will run away with this, and then Jason Kent, you know, he's incredible too. Is that pretty much who you have? Yeah, I had a couple couple differences. I do have X running away with it. Then I have Kent on my team, and I have Connor Hickman. Um, I know – Duke has always been that scorer. I left him off with a couple of others. I did have Darius as my team, but with one spot left on my team, um, I went with a guy uh, we seen the other, we seen Saturday. He had, didn't have a good game, but Quincy Anderson, I thought I stepped up is could be just there with him or Duke for that last spot. And another guy, some other guys, I think you could, NJ Benson, you could look at that for one of those final spots or uh, really, I mean, CJ Jones has for UIC. I know he's on the worst team in the league, but he's make that big step from being a freshman now to um, really leading that team and scoring. And he's one of those top guys in assists in the league. I had CJ on the outside looking in because yeah, he is a top assist man and he's doing a lot of things of the guard that they need because they have Isaiah Rivera to score, but they have CJ kind of running the show at times on that game. I, I you know, seeing the growth of him has been awesome. And uh, I had Trey Campbell on honorable mentions, AJ and Scotty, Brian Moore. You mentioned Quincy. There's no doubt. Yeah. That's something I forgot to mention on the recap was we held him to two points and shooting terribly. Yes. And he has no doubt been awesome this year. He, that's why this is such a fun one because you have the unanimous winner, but you have so many others that can make this list. You mentioned NJ. Darius Diavaro has been a better scorer this year and continue his assisting ways. So a lot of names on here. And then Jacoby Gillespie, who I picked preseason, he's been hurt. I think he would have easily been on one of these teams if he was able to help Belmont through this stretch. Uh, and I'll just run through most underwhelming. I did have, you mentioned Kenny has been good on defense and I know the emergence of like Chuck Bailey and Ben Hummerchis. Hummer Cows, who's been phenomenal and also hurt. It seemed like as Kenny was a all-league member last year that he's kind of underwhelmed. We've talked about him a little bit. 
yeah, uh, we've, you know, Landon Wolf being an all bench member last year, hasn't done a whole lot this year. Um, did have Rob Perry before he broke out against us and he had a bad second half. So it continues to show he, if he was his last year self, you know, and they were already treading water and being good with, you know, without him doing this, but he has been a little lackluster as a superstar player. No chance more. We have him on our fantasy team. He's been, he just can't score right now. He's struggling. Again, he's going to bounce back and do it tomorrow. He's going to score at least 10 points tomorrow. And then my most underwhelming player of the year has been Michael Duax. We were so hyped for him coming in this year. And he still fills his role. It's just not the next level. He was on that great freshman team last year that he didn't expect you know, him to remain with Cades and Robbies of the world, but just be really good. And he's, again, he's still been okay, but not what we expected. And then you could all, just a lot of people left off there, a lot of newcomers and ours in particular for sure. But Jordan Davis is of the world before he'd been playing well. So there's a lot to that underwhelming team. Uh, no, all newcomer. And this one is, you know, I th- we might have the same winner, but there's a, so many great ones. And I want to say you might, because I think the team I have is the one you picked in preseason that you almost nailed. And there's a couple other good ones here, but I'll go with Isaiah Swope, who is my newcomer of the year. Uh, Ryan Conwell, his teammates. Then uh, two other Isaiah, Isaiah Stafford, who's averaging, you'll say it again. I mean, he's averaging like 18 points in the league. He's doing phenomenal things for that team. Isaiah Rivera has been awesome, a star player for UIC. And then Malik D has been incredible for Belmont. I think that, I think that should be the five. And like I said, you, that might've been the one you predicted in preseason. And there's honorable mentions, Hummer, Cows, Hurt, Nick Ellington, Atten, Wright, Miles Foster, Cooper Schwieger, to name a few, but no, is that the team? Are you going to be spot on by the end of this and what you pick preseason? Yeah, that's that's exact one I picked preseason. Uh, I really think – I really hope so. I mean, there's a couple other guys that you could squeeze in there off your honorable mentions, but um, maybe Rivera is the one that gets left out. But I'm hoping uh, he stays that way. And, yeah, I think – obviously, I think Swope runs away with it. But, I mean, what what I Stafford's doing on that Valpo team, averaging – I mean, almost 19 points a game is pretty crazy, but yeah, definitely those guys, uh, following those guys. Um, most of them, I knew Rivera, obviously Barry, his last year, we kind of were in on him at a high school, then him entering the portal and obviously knowing Stafford at John a, then Swope at USI and those guys just following those guys and knowing them, um, had a good feeling what they could do. And I think Ellington could squeeze in on there late over Rivera, but maybe not. It's crazy that these – again, we were in on almost all these guys at one point or another, maybe not Malik Dia, but we were in on all the others. And, it, and I guess not Stafford either, but it just shows when the guys come in the league and they dominate, just it, it, it's sickening that we couldn't land them. So, yeah, you will be perfect on that from beginning to end. That should be what it remains, but you're right. And Ellington could sneak in there. He's been phenomenal for Murray. So, no, into the teams now. And this was hard. You know, we talked earlier, and even you changed my mind on, on some other things when we – because the stats show all, and of course that is what we should go off of. It should not always be about the team that you're on. The only time that really plays a factor is clearly whoever takes home the main award and the Larry Bird Trophy. But if we go from third team to first team, uh, it, it's crazy because it doesn't seem like Bowen Bourne has had, you know, a great season because he's either hurt, like he didn't play this past game, or he'll have he'll have 15 to 20 still, and you and I have been – not an under-the-radar team, but I feel like Bowen hasn't been as talked about this season, and he's just done it at a quiet, you know, in a quiet way. And he's going to make this team because even though he's missed a couple games, which that should be held against somebody, um, for the most part, he's still been himself, and I think he could squeeze on a third team. Uh, Alston Mason has been a phenomenal scorer. And, again, no matter what your team's doing, I mean, they're only, what, they're four and six. I mean, they're not like a total bottom feeder you know, they were, I guess, just a week or, or so ago, but he's been phenomenal. He's took the next step. He could have been in the most improved conversation as well. Uh, Dana was asked about him uh, yesterday and talked a lot about his growth. Uh, I had Conwell on the third team because there's so many other players that, uh, you know, had the numbers as well. And Conwell's on the best team. And I was, you know, literally not too long ago, I was switching this up of who was on here. And I just settled with him there. I don't think that's where he's going to end up by the end of the season, but it's, where it stands now that I've made heist. And if they gave out comeback player of the year, he'd be the comeback player of the year being hurt last year and being so good this year. I think he deserves to be on here. So two Panthers on here. And then I have Malavai finishing out because 
as you said, the stats there defensively, he's still elite. He is scoring a little bit. He's been kind of lackluster in a way of a superstar that you wouldn't really expect. Uh, but no, it's just leaving out guys that aren't on the other teams for me. And that is Isaiah Stafford and even like Julian Larry, but Stafford deserves to be on these teams and he's been phenomenal, but who's on your third. Yeah. He, he leads my third team. I think um, if he sees finishes the season strong and healthy, I think uh, he averages almost 20 points a game for, for Valpo and uh, can sneak to that third team. Um, then I have, I have Connor Hickman on my third team with Nate Heiss. I have Kate Tyson on that third team with Malavai Leones. Good one, yeah. And most of those players I have on second. Again, it's so hard to narrow down. Uh, I had uh, both Bradley guards, Hickman and Dean on second. I did have Kate on the second, even though there are moments where he doesn't really do do much and you're like, you know, what the heck's going on with Cade? And he's been sick in some games, but he still puts up this around 17 points a game as well. And I I was torn. I had Jason Kent on my first team for a while, took him off, had him here at second, and then I finished it out with Malik Dia, and that's because the other guys in front of him are incredible because we've talked a lot about what they could do, and it does seem like those other two deserve to be on that first team, but know who's on your second. Yeah, I have Duke Dean, Alson Mason, Jason Kent, Ryan Conwell, and Malik Dia. Fair, and that seems like, again, those are about what it very well could be near the end. And then first team here, do have the double centers. We talked, I'm convinced, Robbie and Darnell will both make it. At the end, Robbie is a foregone conclusion, except if Darnell would be in there. Darnell is having a phenomenal year. Of course, Tucker DeVries. Of course, Isaiah Swope. And because of where we stand today and it just has importance to a team, and all these guys are important in their own way, it just shows if Xavier Johnson misses for us, we are awful. And that's a lot on how we are as a team, but as, as a lot that he's been great. And he not only leads the conference in scoring, he leads it in assists. And again, based off of what the league has, we are fourth ahead of you and I. And if, he, if it stays that way and we somehow – miss Thursday and be the four and he stays at the top of those. I just feel like there's no way he doesn't get it. If he leads in two categories and does those things, there will be potentially a Indiana state player to get it. But no, that's a special, that's a special first team there. And I think we talked and you have a different player of the year and this, and I think your pick would exactly be who I would have right behind him. And who is that? Yeah, I think four of those guys, uh, are a lock for that first team. We have the same first team. I think it matters if, if they throw Brody or I uh, I swear if they do the six six guys on a team crap again, uh, it just makes me mad because, I mean, it's I guess six is better than what we see with the Big Ten throwing 15 guys on just the Big Ten team. They don't even do first, second, and third teams anymore and stuff like that. But um, I do go with Tucker DeVries. Um, as my player of the year right now, um, he's doing a lot for that team. He's rebounding. He's assisting more um, than if you look at if you if you look at conference only games, he is actually with his scoring outbursts lately. He is averaging twenty two point one, while X is at twenty one because he's had some struggles recently. Very true, and that's actually because I remember you talking before about maybe even having Robbie as player of the year, and that's who that's who I was kind of referring to because looking back to the value that he provides for that team clearly, but he is, he is eighth in scoring and he's third in rebounding and doing a lot of, he's like, and he's up there in assists as well. He's, he's fifth in assists. So he's, he's top eight in every category. And I feel like that's whenever they would reward somebody. And I don't think there's voter fatigue for Tucker at all. He very well, I think those are the only three that will end up up there and you could pick and, you know, it, it's, it's a coin flip for all three, to be honest, you could do that with an odd number, but can't go wrong with any of those guys. And again, that's where it would stand today. And those very well could change by the end of it, of course. Uh, so it's, it's always fun to do. There's our mid season picks. We'll do it again at the end of the season uh, and see where we are with that, because there's always surprises. And you're right. That six member, I think it's always a preseason. I don't recall if they always do it at the end of the year, they very well could. And uh, it is unfortunate that they wouldn't just keep the, the old school way of it because, yeah, even the OVC has like 10 first team members and all that stuff, as you said. A lot of other people do. It makes no sense. So there are those. And, Noah, let's round this thing out talking about the Bears of Missouri State and what is our lone and only regular season matchup against them. 
kind of caught a break because we don't – besides last year we wanted Springfield. It's hard to go there, and we're actually lucky with this talented team that we get them at home and swept them 3-0 last year. They're – you know, again, they're so talented. They've – you know, we've had our battles over the years, and we know the struggles they've had this year, but they could very well come in here and shoot well and beat us tomorrow. There's – I'd be interested to see what a spread is if we have this near the end, but what do we know about the bears this season and a strange one for them. That's been on the cusp of Dana hanging on for dear life for his job. Yeah. It's been a weird, weird season for them. Obviously talked about the, the uh, release their AD made after that loss they had. And um, this is a team that I think was picked six preseason. I think they even got, um, one one first place vote and I don't I don't know exactly who that was and but I mean this is always a team we've been high on and guys who um we know on this team and that are just very good. We talked about um Austin Mason already. He's one of the top three leading scorers in the conference, averaging eighteen a game. Um this is a guy we were in on out of high school, then we saw him go Commit to Loyola while well, Porter changed jobs. He goes down to Oklahoma. Um, just one. Uh, we wish we could have got in on and maybe stole. Then um, obviously Chance Moore hasn't had a great season. He's still averaging like 10 points a game. We know N.J. Benson, the guy we really wanted, um, that has stepped up. Other guys, obviously Donovan Clay, he's still averaging 14 points a game, playing the defense he does. He held Tucker DeVries uh, – to the second half and overtime double OT not scoring. I mean, Donovan Clay was a preseason all first team member. Um, that's the respect he's given. I think Chance Moore was on that third team with their six people they had. Um, but yeah, definitely a lot of other guys to mention here real quick. Matthew Lee hasn't been the same, had some injury coming off that injury. Just hasn't been the same player they thought they were getting. Cesar Edwards has been big. Damian Mayo, he had that concussion, so he hasn't really been right. He's been that dirty work guy, though, for them at that position. Nick Kramer can come and hit shots. Tyler Bay's been hit and miss on playing time. Rafe Ayers, he makes some starts. Sometimes he doesn't. Then Dawson Carper doesn't. I mean, I think he's only played in like 10 games this year. So going to be a team, obviously, like you said, we Dana mentioned it in uh, the, the teleconference on Monday. This is a team – you just mentioned we beat three times last year, so they'll definitely have some motivation. And they only get one shot at us during the regular season this year. Um, it's going to be interesting. If I if I were to go, I think I think the spread was out when I was looking or going through the other Valley games earlier. Um, it is a we were favored by seven and a half tomorrow night. I think it's closer than that. I think that's a way too big a number that's going off of what they've been doing. But obviously we get the respect, even though we were not playing the greatest at home, we get a lot of respect on the, at home. I mean, every Valley team does in the conference. So um, I would definitely take the plus there. And if I were going to go a dog of a game, um, I think I try, we try to stay away from him, but I'm going with X. I think he's got the matchup one V one with Austin Mason. I think he's the one who guards him potentially. Um, and he needs to outshine him because this is a guy that needs to continue. X doesn't need a big game, but like I just mentioned in, in conference only, he's no longer leading the conference and scoring in that kind of realm. So he's not getting the recognition nationally once. And I know there was a account that made a tweet about him that um, they didn't know that they, they don't pay close enough attention, but they said, something about the transfer portal, not sometimes your, your next best player is on your bench or something like that. Well, he started for us last year. He just take a giant leap, but just stuff like that. And I think this is a game where, I mean, Olsen, he's not going to have a chance, but he's probably in top five range. If you want to talk player of the year, cause that's what kind of year he's had. Yeah. And even when you said he'll probably X will probably guard Alston, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, and again, X has hit these bursts and he was limping. I think whenever Brian Moore got that breakaway dunk, X was on the other end on the ground and limping again. So he, if he does it every single game, and then he'll break out and have this have this burst in him. And I want to say whoever was asked about him yesterday about – I think it was just Dana talking about his explosiveness and 
uh, you know, the difference in his game in that way. And we, I'm just trying to picture whoever would be guarding tomorrow that he couldn't blow past. And we know Alston, not only offensively, he's took a leap, but defensively, I think so as well. I can't really foresee, you know, we saw Malavai guarding X because he's so lanky. Like Donovan is stronger. And I, I can see Don being on X at times, but I just find it hard to – and he's so such a disciplined defender. He's been like the standard bearer in defense, him and Malavai, the last couple of years. He'll be disciplined on him, and, you know, X maybe is going to look to draw some fouls on Don. And overall, besides NJ down low, I don't think they're a great defensive team. Other than that, I agree. I mean, X needs to get his and continue this spot. I mean, just because – I'll be rooting for him to get all of his points because I want him to win player of the year. And I hope, you know, he can play good in our wins. And because you're right, you know, the, the website for the Valley has like the overall NCAA, like throughout the whole season, it doesn't have like legit conference stats. So he's not leading the league in scoring right now, but he's, he's right behind, as you said, Tucker and a lot of different things. So if he can like somehow surpass him in a way, this is a big game for him. It's a big game for a lot of other people. I mean, of course, they're always a great rebounding team. They still score 70 a game, uh, you know, and they kind of can do ISO ball at times, but they, they can't spread it. They just let the talent take over. They shoot 43%. But, again, they score 71, but they allow 70. So, again, that's where the defense kind of falters at times. But expect Don to lead the way. And because of NJ Benson's impact and Cesar Edwards off the bench, I'm going to go with Clarence's dog of the game. Um uh, you know, foul trouble. It seemed like he's going to be in it again. I mean, NJ can hit his free throw. So it's like, you know, don't be over aggressive again. I mean, we'll take NJ Benson shooting free throws, but he's just improved on it. Clarence just needs a bounce back game and 100% also taking plus seven and a half. I'd be surprised if we, it goes over that because of how we've been playing at home and just how talented they are. You know, we've been lucky in these last two games to come back above water when we were sinking as 0 3 and you're in the spot you need to stay at the rest of the year. I mentioned the eight and four record. Well, now it's six and four the rest of the way, you know, for those games. And you need to win these home games. You need to win these other games. Don't give these teams below you any chance to rival you for those spots. Make it about you and Northern Iowa the rest of the way. Uh, so it's a big game in that regard. Don't don't drop it because if you go at UIC, who was tough to play, and then you go at Drake. So this game is ever important in that way. So we'll see if, you know, people show out in a lot of different things to, tomorrow night and the dogs can get back on track at home and not make it too dicey, even though the Bears are good enough to make it dicey. So looking to stay on this winning streak. And, yes, as you said earlier, carry that momentum after this exceptional and special win, as Brian said it at the end, special performance. So we're looking to carry it over into tomorrow. So for Nick Malone. No alerts. As always, as you know, go dogs.